Hey everyone, I'm Callie Sorensen, and welcome to my podcast, where we explore different perspectives and dive into our life experiences to uncover new ideas and insights. Through these conversations, we hope to educate, empower, and inspire one another to expand our minds, open our hearts, and have a deeper understanding of ourselves, others, and the world we live in. Thank you for joining us on this journey of discovery, growth, and learning. And may we find practical solutions to life's complex challenges. Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast. So on today's episode, I have a conversation with Mac, who has a podcast called Dimming the Gaslight. He shares his journey as a survivor of narcissistic abuse, and his episodes really approach this dark, dark topic with lightheartedness and humor, and it provides a really valuable perspective on narcissistic abuse from a male survivor's point of view. And after recording our conversation, Mac expressed some concern that maybe he came across as too angry. And I really wanted to just take a moment to emphasize that anger is a natural and important part of the healing journey for survivors of narcissistic abuse. It's a way of like owning the harm that was done to us and processing the injustice that we experienced. So we really hope that Mac's story and his willingness to share his ups and downs, including that anger and frustration, can inspire other people who might be struggling with their own healing journey or having challenges to embrace these parts of us, or maybe they're being shut down and told that they're not allowed to be angry because these all these parts of us deserve a voice. And also, I think it's so important to know that we are not alone on this recovery journey. So a big thank you to you, Mac, uh, for giving us this glimpse into your life. We really hope that this conversation today will raise awareness about narcissistic abuse and provide a source of support and inspiration for survivors everywhere. So now let's dive into the conversation and I really hope you guys enjoy. So I am so excited because Mac is here from Dimming the Gaslight. <laughs> he holds a podcast and I was a guest on his show, what, last week I think it was? And yeah. Yeah, we had a great conversation and I was just like, you got to come on my show. I just started a podcast. Let's talk. I'm in the cult world. He was severely narcissistically abused and I don't know, I just had a great conversation. I was like, I got to get him over here and hear more of your story. I don't really know too much, but um, yeah, I want to dive in. So do you want to give like a little background, like who is this Matt guy? So yeah. my listeners can kind of know a little bit about your story. Sure. Yeah. Like, uh, well, so I have like this bit of an identity crisis because, you know, my name is Mac. I run a podcast. It's called Dimming the Gaslight. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you want to pick up your podcast from. But uh, yeah, so first and foremost, thank you for being a guest on my show. It was super cool. And we have a mutual follower from both of our you know social medias. And she's like, you got to talk to Callie. And I was like, all right, I'm doing this thing. And your episode was super well received. So first of all, thank you for Aww. doing that with me. Um, and it's weird, man. It's weird to be on like the other side of the table. Because, Is this like, your first time being uh, in, like on anything. somebody else? That's no, crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I feel so honored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's 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 awkward a little bit, but it's fun. It's interesting. So um, so for your listeners, a little bit of a backstory. I was married to what I eventually discovered was a narcissist, a female. So I got out of my relationship. I had discovered that she was a narcissist while I was still in the home. It only took about three weeks for me to stop feeding that 
supply, right? And eventually what happened is, so I stopped cleaning. I stopped, you know, just everything she could do. Doing stop. all the things that she wanted you to do, right? Cleaning everything. <laughs> so one day I'm alone. And I get a knock on the door. She's out of the home. I have two young kids and she takes the kids with them. I get a knock on my door. It's the police. And the police tell me you're being served with a restraining order. And we are asking you to va- pack a suitcase and vacate your home. You have 15 minutes. No. And, she and did you guys me. have any altercations before then? Or was this just nope, completely no out of the blue? Well, nothing. Right. Nothing. Um, and she alleges that I strangled her while she was holding my daughter. Okay. And my daughter's young. So long story short, what she doesn't know, and it's kind of cool, you know, as far as my podcast following goes, I was recording and documenting for my own sanity. Like I was like, I'm being gaslit. I I had discovered gaslighting. So I was recording, I was videoing, I was saving text messages, all this kind of stuff. And so I'm in the middle, you know, this was about 15 months ago, 16 months ago. And now I'm in the process of a trial, a domestic abuse trial where my ex has already testified, but she's perjured herself. And I have a court date in about two and a half weeks where my lawyer is going to cross-examine her and we are going to rip her lies to shreds. And I'm so excited for it. So long story short, I got out of that situation and I thought how I, I was looking for, you know, something about males being domestically abused by women. And there's not much out there. And I know so it's rough, man. So I thought somebody should do something about this and I should do something about this. So I just started telling my story and I was like, who the hell is going to listen? And, uh, you know, at this point now, it's in over 60 countries around the world. It is in like the top 5% of most shared podcasts on Spotify, like top 10% of subscribed to po- podcasts. It's just, it's mind blowing. Wow. And I'm super grateful. I tell a week by week story of all the bullshit she does to me. Uh, sorry, can I curse or no? Oh yeah, go for all it. Right. <laughs> uh, all the bullshit she does to me. And then I just interview people all over the world. I, I bring in therapists. I bring in social media influencers. I bring in cult experts like yourself. I even bring in my own lawyer uh, to add like some sort of credibility. So you, you guys know when you listen to this podcast, you're like, no, this guy's got it. Thing I say, I can back up with evidence. So it's just a whirlwind and people are relating to it. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Wow. And I'm so grateful that you as a guy are sharing your story of being abused by a narcissist and a female because they're this. Oh, oh, don't even get me going on this topic. Like so many don't want to admit that actually men can be victimized by this. So I was just so excited when I heard that you were speaking out and sharing your side of the story. Yeah. Thank you. And and like, I never, I never thought I would be doing this. And uh, you know, that's kind of a, it's a sensitive topic for me because, so I, I have a pretty substantial following on Instagram. And so what happened is, is that I see a lot of people and say like, you know, when he hits you or when he ignores mm-hmm. your phone calls or when he's gaslighting you. And mm-hmm. for a while I was writing comments underneath like, and her, like, and she, you know what I mean? But here's the thing. It's like narcissistic abuse, domestic violence, all this kind of stuff knows no gender. You know what I yeah. mean? It knows no gender. And like 70% of my following are women. And just because women speak out on it more, in my opinion, so, you know, 70% of my following. And I just want to say, like, 
I do support all women. I do exactly understand all women. And yes, primarily like men, I think like 70 or 80% of narcissists. Yeah, the statistics are, yeah. Are men, right? But like it knows no gender. And that's like a sensitive topic for me because like I support all women and I want all support, you know, women all to support the men who have been abused too, because it's not that much of an anomaly. I've I've talked to a lot of men who it's crazy. And we're not believed either, you know? Yeah. Well, and I was wondering what it's like to be a man in the court system as well. Like, uh, like you're, you're, you're do people- until proven innocent for sure. Yeah. I have, just because of the allegations, I have been investigated with DCPMP, which is Child Protective Services, twice. I have been drug tested several times and I've passed all of them. I'm not on any drugs or anything. I was- uh, mandated to attend anger management. And the you know therapist is like, this, you're only angry when you got to deal with her. I'm like, yeah, because I'm being framed, you know? Um, it's called reactive had, abuse. Oh man, we, we could talk about that forever. <laughs> because here's the thing, right? Like I'm no angel, I'm no angel. And in court, like my next played recordings of, you know, she was recording me, but it's so apropos when you see on this social media stuff is like, they trigger you and they trigger you and they trigger you. And then all of a sudden they flip on the camera when you freak out and they say, ha, gotcha. And, and mm-hmm. you sit back and you go, is that me? Am I the narcissist? Yeah, like, I know. it sucks. But like, then for the same token, it's like, and something I've found about myself is once you leave your abusive relationship, are you continuing those patterns or was that sort of reaction just reserved for them? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I'll just say this. My whole journey started out. So I had looked for podcasts. I listen to podcasts. When I get interested in a topic, for some reason, I turn you to dive podcasts. In. It's just something I do. So um, I had found uh, a podcast And it's called Surviving the Covert Narcissist. And this podcast was told from the perspective of a man about his female narcissist. And it's funny. I call it like the sonic youth. If any of your listeners are into like old, you know, grungy metal and stuff like that, I call it like the sonic youth of podcasts because it's very raw. It's very honest. It's very gritty. You know, it's not like high production value. It's just telling the stories and telling it how it is. And so when I was still in my home, I was trying to figure out about having the courage to leave my young kids because I had two kids that were under the age of five. And I was trying to figure out how do I ever get the courage to leave them? And I'm sure a lot of your listeners can can relate yeah. to that. It's just like, we don't love the narcissist anymore. Once, once it clicks and we know the whole game, we don't love the narcissist anymore. But like, how are we going to move out with the kids. You know what I mean? How are we going to escape this situation? So I discovered this podcast and at night it'd be 11 o'clock at night and I'd put my headphones in and I'd be staring at the ceiling and the room would be dark and I would just be listening to this guy telling these stories. And I'd be like, yes, yes, this is someone who gets it. Right. So I reach out to this guy and I say, listen, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I really think it's cool. But one thing you never touch on is how do you ever get the courage to leave your kids, right? Because he never really truly touched on it. And um, so I didn't hear back from him for like months, right? And one day it's like right before Christmas time and uh, I'm actually sitting in my therapist's office waiting to get called in and I get a pop-up email and the email is from this host of this podcast and the guy says, hey, listen, unfortunately my next found my podcast and I have a gag order on me and I can no longer do it. He goes, however, I super relate to your email and your story and I would love to talk to you. 
And I was like, holy shit. And this guy sends me his phone number, right? So I'm yeah. sitting there and I go, holy God. Like, you know, for anybody like listening to this right now, like imagine like this guy, he's no celebrity or anything, but he's like my personal celebrity, right? It's like if you were watching like, I don't know, The Office or something, and like suddenly you get to talk to Michael Scott or Jim from The Office or something <laughs> like that. Like it was like really, really cool for me. So I did, I called the guy and I ended up talking to him on the phone for five hours, no. five freaking hours. And he's like, just, you know, we're going, he's going, oh my God. And I'm going, oh my God. And this is, you got to keep in mind, like, this is the guy who put me on narcissism. Right. And, uh, so we're talking for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I go, you're like, dude, I really wish like you could start your thing up again. And he's like, well, listen, when I do, I would like you to come on in some sort of capacity. And I was like, wow, like I'm super honored. I was like, but when is that going to be? Because, you know, you have this thing going on with gag you. order. Yeah. Gag order. And he's like, I don't know. He goes, well, why don't you just start your own podcast? And I'm like, no, you know, like it was funny before you and I got on, we were just testing the audio and stuff. And like, we were cringing at our own voices. I hate my voice. I hate <laughs> yeah. the way I look. But, like, it's so funny. These guys like start your own podcast. I'm like, no, no, no. But then like, I couldn't imagine like walking this earth with this story that I yeah. have inside and not having shared it with people because when you're in that situation, it's like you feel like you're the only person in the world and you feel like, you know, I can remember many, many, many times, like 3 a.m. in the morning, right? Unable to sleep. We just had a fight over some stupid shit. And I'm just staring at the ceiling while she's got her back to me, sleeping soundly, like completely unfazed, completely unbothered. And I'm sitting there going like, the fuck is wrong with this person? Like, why? Why? Why don't, you know, like, I don't necessarily subscribe to the never go to bed angry thing, but like, why can't your love for me and the house that we built and the kids that we have and the marriage that we have, why can't that be enough for you to like bend or meet me halfway or like legit work on this. And it was nothing like that. So having, being able to have this outlet in order to tell my Aww. story has been super cathartic and therapeutic to me. And, you know, like I, I, so grateful that like you think you're the only person in the world and like suddenly you find you know oh, a cat like everyone's like me too me too me too right yeah, well and even even when we did i was like man the, the narcissistic abuse story is the same as the cult story and that's why i was like i love how you said it knows no gender it also knows no context like sure. this is the same as work abuse as lover abuse as group like spiritual abuse like i mean yeah. all of it right it, it's yeah. the underlying pattern that's all the same and i can imagine too i was like man that's a smart idea that you did to to start this anonymous podcast too because i would assume it's almost like you, you have a freedom of voice because you're not as it's like i can say whatever the hell i want to say right like i like i was like man i'm jealous i should have started this podcast anonymously so i could have like more freedom because i mean i have some stuff going on in the background it's so freaking hard to like yeah. shut up and bite my tongue but i'm like i don't know how has that been to like share anonymously and like it's been like, super have cool. this identity you know, super, this intentional. Identity. super intentional so you know before i came on the podcast i said my name is mac that's actually not my real name and i've actually shared it only one time on my own personal podcast because i did like an ama ask me anything episode to celebrate one year of doing the podcast and that was a question i got what's your real name so when i was still in the home I had discovered narcissism when I wanted to start following pages about narcissism to educate myself. 
But I was concerned that if she had seen the hashtags that I was following or if she had seen mm-hmm. the pages that I was following, she would have figured it out. So I'm in the kitchen and she's not home or in another room or I don't know where she is. And uh, I'm on Instagram and I'm panicking and I'm going, oh shit, I'm following all these pages. I got to unfollow. I got to unfollow. And at the same time, I'm making the kids dinner and I'm making a macaroni and cheese. So I quick make a burner account and I called it the Macaroni King 1447. (laughs) It meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. Right. But I was just like, yeah, that's like a great way to stay anonymous. And then, uh, so it was funny. I, you know, I was the macaroni king for like, I don't know, six months maybe. And then I had started creating a bit of a following. And at the time I had like 300 followers. It was nothing, right? But like uh, this one- Yeah, because how do you get a follow? Was it just from hashtag? Like I just started following a lot of pages and nothing I have is original or anything like that. I was just, I had no intention of ever- posting or reposting anything Uh. or even talking to anybody. I had no intention, certainly, of starting a podcast, but I just, you know, I would relate to things and I would save them and I'd be like, you know what, like, let me make this my time capsule. And then I would like repost Mm. things so I can go back and look at them. And then people, people I followed started following me and stuff. Anyway, so it got to a point after this conversation with the podcaster and I said, uh, why don't I start the podcast? And I was like, but the Macaroni King is an awful name for the podcast. I can't stay like that. So I put up a post and I was like, listen, I'm contemplating starting a podcast. Would anybody listen? And I had this one follower that I talk to regularly and it's sweet. She just reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, but she goes, yeah, I'll listen to your podcast, but can I still call you Mac? So Mac, (laughs) Mac is a nod to that guy 15 months ago who was scrambling. I'm getting, I mean, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. Mac is a nod to that guy. 15, 16 months ago, who was lost and he was thinking he was the only person in the world who was dying. And I didn't think anybody related. And somebody said, can I still call you Max? So it's a nod to that guy who needed this guy today. And a lot of people don't know that, you know what I mean? But it's cool. It resonates for me. Like a lot of people have like, you know, shitty punk band names and stuff like that. And maybe Max is a shitty name, but to me, it's super substantial and it means something. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. And how was that? Like doing your first few episodes? Rough. Was it like, rough. Was it rough? <laughs> so like I, the other thing is too, is like, I didn't want to just go right into my story. Right. I didn't want to go right into my story because I'm like, let me, um, cause you're qualify. still fresh in it. Right. Like were you? Yeah. But it was like, yeah, I, I was nine weeks out when I started the podcast, I was nine weeks out of the restraining order. I mean, I was still in a legal battle, right. I was still at a restraining order on me. And I was just looking for help. And so what I did is I realized that like, I wanted to make the podcast for a listener like me. So if I'm searching for narcissism, I don't want to sign on to the first podcast and listen to this guy's story and say, oh, okay, well, this is the guy's story because I probably won't keep listening. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to outline kind of how I discovered narcissism and when you get into things like love bombing and trauma bonding and reactive abuse, like you mentioned before, and devaluing and all these phrases, this was like my aha, holy shit. Like, this is what you got. This is a thing. It's got a word. Yeah. It's finally like you got the vocabulary and the language to put to your feeling and your experience that you always knew, but you're like, right. yeah, questioning yourself, right? And once you learn this stuff, like you can't mm-hmm. unlearn it. You know what I mean? Like I can't have imagined learning about 
trauma bonding and love bombing and all this kind of stuff. And then like still being in the relationship because you'd be so cognizant of, oh, I'm being love bombing. What they're like, doing. Oh, I'm being right. Hoover right. right now. I'm like, I know people do that. And I, you know, I'd love to hear more about that. I did interview somebody who's still in their relationship on my own podcast, but like, I can't imagine having staying in it, knowing this terminology, but yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is, and I'm sure you know this from leaving with your experience. It's like, sometimes you got to jump without a net. Sometimes mm-hmm. you really have to jump without a net, knowing that like, it's not the, the grass isn't greener on the other side, yes. but this will kill you. This will kill yes. you to stay in it. At no point in my life did I ever think, oh, well, I really hope I can get back with her. Like she put a fucking restraining order on me and kidnapped my kids from me. And claim that you strangled her. And claim that I strangled her. Yeah. So like, Fuck. you know, and like I had been hoovered like within the relationship, you know, like um, a quick story if that's okay. So like, yeah, uh, yeah. so when we were dating, we took this beautiful trip up to Maine, you know, and in Maine, we did like horseback riding and had dinner on the ocean and all these beautiful things, right? All these beautiful things. And of course, that's like the kind of shit that goes on during the love bombing stage. Well, towards the end of it, we were fighting nonstop, non-nonstop. We'd be screaming at each other in the morning. And then like in the afternoon, she'd be like, hey, why don't we take the kids to Maine for Christmas? It's like, you just called me an asshole four hours ago. Like, what is this? And like, I was like, is she bipolar? I know, you know, she claimed I was bipolar. Yeah, and the world kind of normalizes this verbal abuse, I feel, like in the media and movies and things. Yeah, I mean, like 2022, right? The Webster's Dictionary says gaslighting is the word of the year, Yeah, But then for the same token, you got people walking around going, Oh, tell me again. He's a narcissist. I'm so sick of hearing about narcissism. All your, anytime there's a breakup, it's a narcissist. So it's like, which one is it? Are we support? Are we, are we progressing or are we just over it already? I think it also goes to show how a lot of people don't actually understand that word gaslighting. And it it becomes this term, I think, when people don't understand exactly what it is, Mm -hmm. then they can just throw it around of like, you know, the second that somebody says, no, that didn't happen. It's like, oh, I'm being gaslit. I'm being gaslit. And then they start to, it can just become completely overused. And then I feel so bad for then the people who are severely gaslit and then they start to use it and then they're not taken seriously with that term, you know, so it's like, it's a good thing because now people at least are aware of it and like more people are waking up to it. But at the same time, it's like, shit, it's getting thrown around all the time. And like, everyone's calling everyone a narcissist and like, nobody actually knows what that term means. Even when I stepped out of my cult, I called my cult leader a narcissist. I look back 2018, I was calling him a narcissist, but I had no idea what that even meant. Because we all think it means extreme vanity. We all right, think it's right. like, like oh, he's just full of himself. Who stands in like, front of a mirror and just like is in love with themselves, like Silence right. of the Lambs and Buffalo Bill style. And that's not what it is. You know, like that is that is what it is, but that's like tip of the iceberg, right? And like I said, it's like when I learned about love bombing and all these labels for things is when I discovered it. But so as far as gaslighting goes, another funny story. So I tell really long-winded stories. So I apologize to it. your uh <laughs> Your listeners, but I also like to bring, I like people to, you know, really see where I'm coming from, right? So I've mentioned, I'm into rock music, okay? I'm from New Jersey, and there's a band called the Gaslight Anthem out of New Jersey, okay? Are you familiar with them? No. 
No, okay, they're really cool. They rock. You got to listen to them. So anyway, the Gaslight Anthem, right? And I love this band, the Gaslight Anthem. And I was like, but Gaslight Anthem, what does that mean? And I checked out Gaslighting and it, you know, I heard it's basically like denying somebody that their reality is real. And I'm in this narcissistic abusive relationship and I'm like, I'm being gaslit, right? But to me, she was a gaslighter. I always make the joke, like, maybe I'm lazy or maybe I'm stupid, but like the the term narcissism, when I was doing my research, never fell through the cracks. I saw gaslighting, but I never saw narcissism. I don't know wow. why. I can't give you a reason why. So I went on for years and years and years loving this band and knowing that she was lying to me, but she was, you're a gaslighter, you're a gaslighter, you're gaslighting me. And I would even go, we were in marriage therapy and I would say to them, like, she's gaslighting me. This didn't happen. And they didn't diagnose it. And I'm like, what the hell? So the ultimate straw that broke the camel's back in terms of gaslighting. So we had taken my kids and it was around like Halloween time and there was like a pumpkin patch and like, it was like a pumpkin patch meets a carnival. Okay. And uh, we had gone with friends of my kids, this pseudo carnival thing, right? So all the kids got their cotton candy and they got their hot dogs and they got their soda and they rode all the rides, right? And it was getting later in the afternoon. And one of my son's friends, young kid, he's probably four years old, wants to go on the swings. And he starts like freaking out on his mother because his mother won't let him go on the swings. And he goes to the mom and he goes, you're a bad mom, this four-year-old says to his mother. And the mother gets down on the kid's level, right in his eyes, but she's not screaming. She's not yelling. She handled it so well. She just goes, listen, a bad mom doesn't take you here. A bad mom doesn't buy your cotton candy and your let you ride all the rides. A bad mom doesn't take you here. And don't say that to me, right? And <laughs> she handled it really well. And I can remember, I mean, you can see me on camera right now, but I can remember watching this happen. And like, there were strangers like standing around me and this kid was really throwing a tantrum. But like me and the strangers, like nodding, like the seal of approval, like this woman's handing it really well, right? And I look over at my necks and my necks is on eye level with my kids. And she's glaring up at me like, you know, just black eyes, black eyes. And she goes, what do you think about this? And I go, I think she's handling it really well. And she goes, Mac, do not yell at me. And I go, not yelling at you. You asked me what happened, and I said she's handling it really well. She goes, all right, you need to calm down. I go, calm down what? I'm answering your question. She goes, don't start screaming, Mac. And I go, I'm not screaming. Oh, yeah. And now, I start now, screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what the Now fuck? you're screaming. Yeah. <laughs> because all I said was this woman handled it well. So I'm getting tingles talking about it right now. you know. And then so she does this, and she takes the kids, and she scoops them up and runs away with them as if like – she was in danger and they are in danger when she well, did she, that. Well, she and she is that. in danger because you're calling out what she's not, right? Good point. I never thought about it that way. Wow. Look at you at revelation. You're right. She's she's looking at it and you're like, wow, that's an yeah. amazing mom. And yeah. you're reflecting to her. You're ah, the mirror ah. for her to see. I'm not an amazing mom. So that was well, what is your hourly rate for therapy, Callie? What got, is your I got, hourly I got rate? Chilled. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm to Sixteen months, and I've never thought about it that way. I've never you thought you're well. You're th well. You have to see it as a narcissist is completely all they're ever doing is trying to protect their image. Right. So anytime they get upset is because you threaten their image. Wow. So you talking about how it's like a jealousy kind of thing too. Right. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. like, oh yeah, she handled that really well. It's like, well, fuck you, because then you're telling me, am I not handling it well? Yeah. 
And then so I went home and I was like, that's gaslighting. I knew that was gaslighting. Mm -hmm. This was like the straw that broke the camel's back. So she's upstairs and I just have to get the hell away from her because you, if we know narcissists, they are going to ruin every good time. This was supposed yep. to be a pumpkin patch, carnival, good time with our kids. And she ruined it again. So I sit down. She goes upstairs. I go downstairs. We had a finished basement in our home and I start Googling gaslighting. What was that? What was that? I know she was gaslighting me. So I sit down and I'm like, that didn't happen. I didn't call her a bad mom. That's when... I guess I just scrolled a little bit farther on Google than I did last time. And I saw narcissism and I go, what is this? And, you know, I, I discover this and I read about all this terminology and I start going, oh my God, oh my God. I have been in a relationship with a narcissist for nearly 10 years. And I did my research that night for maybe two hours. And then she was upstairs and she was feeding the kids like chicken nuggets or something. And I walked up the stairs and I stood like in the thresh threshold to the doorway. And I remember just looking at her with my hands in my pockets and I said nothing, but I was like, that's it. You're not bipolar. You're not an mm. asshole. You're not any of this. You know, you're a narcissist. And like the freedom of knowing that quickly went into like, there's nothing that I can do to change this. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like, very quickly, I said, you know, like, is there some sort of medication we can get her on? Is there some sort of therapy? But we had tried therapy and she had another great terminology word. She had triangulated me against the therapist to make the therapist think I was Oh, yeah. That's food. very common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did the more research, like I said, as the macaroni king and the more research I started doing about this, I discovered that like, no, there's nothing I can do. And the scariest thing was like, everything I read was like, run run for your wow. goddamn life. And I'm like, no, no, I have these I've got kids. kids. I got and your kids were five. young, like what? Under three five. And Where yeah. am I going to go? Where am I going to go? And then when she put the fake restraining order on me, I had gone 42 days with zero communication with my kids. And in those 42 days, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I was homeless. I dropped like 30 pounds. I was literally homeless, you know, sleeping on in my car, sleeping on, uh, you know, like friends, floors and couches and, you know, rotating the schedule of calling friends and be like, Hey, can I stay over tonight? And still trying to work at the same time. And, um, uh, part of the restraining order was that I had to pay every bill in the home. So I had to pay full mortgage, full, full electric, full sewer, full, I had to pay her cell phone for God's sakes. Like I had had to pay what? everything. And I couldn't call And did her. you have a job at that time? I did. I was in pharmaceutical sales. At the time, you know, I had no communication with my kids. And my biggest concern was, what did they think happened to me? Why is daddy yeah. gone? And, um, and what is she telling him? <laughs> did, they, did she tell them I strangled her? Yeah. You know? Um, and I came to find out because I was in pharmaceutical sales at the time that she had told them that I was working with doctors on a coronavirus vaccine. And because I was around people who had coronavirus, I wasn't mm. allowed to come home. So by the time we settled the restraining order, we didn't go to trial. Um, I gave her $3,000 to settle the restraining order. Essentially, I paid for a restraining order to be put on myself. I had to do, like I said, anger management, and I had to do all this other shit. One of the other stipulations was that I had to have supervised 
FaceTime calls with my kids. Supervise. No. Who had to supervise it? Did somebody? It was my father else? at the time. Oh my god! So I had a supervised FaceTime with the kids, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, that very first call was super emotional, and um, you know, they came on. They're like, "Daddy, Daddy, Daddy!" You know, how, you know, where are you? And I'm like, "I'm in New York City. I'm in a hospital." I had to perpetuate her lie. Um, I'm like, I'm in New York city. I'm in the hospital. I'm working with doctors. It was fucking awful. And still to this day, you know, it's, you know, a year and a half later and my kids still say like, it's, it's heartbreaking. I have audio recordings, you know, of my kids being like, did you miss us when you were at the hospital? I'm like, yeah, man, I, I was crying. And I used to tell my kids like, Hey, look, I know I can't see you. And I, you know, because the trial was ongoing and I said, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. I was like, but I have an idea. And at the time, I used to walk a lot. I used to walk like 12 miles because I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't sit still. And I would walk 12 miles every single day. And a lot of times at night and I would look up at the stars and I would, I know this sounds maybe crazy or sad or sentimental, but I would look up at the stars and I would say, I just miss them so much. I would talk to the stars. And I said to my son and my daughter, I said, Hey, listen, at nighttime before you go to bed, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up at the stars and just say, I love you, daddy. And I'll hear you. Okay. So um, we used to do that at night and I used to, you know, read them stories and stuff and eventually got settled. And then I'd have supervised visits with my kids. Again, we're going back to the gender thing. You know, by the time I got to see my kids, I had to be supervised for like six hours once a week. And um, it was fucking crazy. Eventually that got settled. But now uh, (laughs) a new kind of thing happened. So we went nine months without any... Not no issues, because if we know a narcissist, they're always going to make everything complicated. But, um, you know, just stupid allegations like I didn't feed my kids or she says that my son defecates himself because he's so scared of me that he poops in his pants when he's around me. It's just all these stupid things she thinks she could bring into court. It's dumb. But one day I admit I got a little annoyed. And uh, (laughs) so she started saying things through Our Family Wizard. If you know what Our Family Wizard is. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The family app. monitored app. And she starts saying some stuff. This is the only way we communicate. We don't call. We don't text. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, thank <laughs> God. She starts saying these allegations about like, oh, I guess you were too drunk or too high or this stupid shit to remember like this conversation because she is stupid. Anyway, I said in Our Family Wizard, I go, you know, it's funny. I go, you make all these allegations. I was like, but you can't back them up because I know what I did and you have no evidence. And she started writing on our family wizard. Wait until the DV trial. Okay. But at the time when she was saying that there was nothing pending, there was nothing pending. So what DV trial am I waiting for? I'm waiting for my divorce. I'm not waiting for a DV trial. Okay. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. You see where this is going. So, uh, I had, Visits with my kids on Tuesdays and Thursdays for dinner and every other week overnight stays. Okay. But she went and signed my kids up for after school football. Okay. Now the other thing is is on my parenting time, not only that during my dinner dates and the games on the weekends, every other weekends are like away games. So that cuts into that parenting time too. So my point is, is that anytime I had a visit with my kids, she was present. And so what happened one day is we're at football practice and my son says, you know, uh, 
my son didn't want to play football. He he honestly didn't. And truth be told, you know, knowing what we know about CTE and injuries from football, I have old injuries from football and stuff like that. And I just, I didn't want my son playing, you know, he's young. So one day I'm at a football practice and he doesn't want to go out there. And I'm trying to sell him on the idea of going out there, even though I don't want him to, because I don't want him to quit anything, you know? So he goes, all right. And like, he starts like conceding and he goes, I'm going to tell mommy to put on my football helmet and walk me out there. And I go, hold on. This is my parenting time. I was like, I can put on your helmet and I can walk you out there. And he goes, no, I want mommy to do it. And listen, I'm, could I have given in to this temper tantrum? Cause he was like a kid. He was screaming and he's yelling and I'm saying, no, no, the, your two options are either I put on your helmet and walk you out there or we leave, but mommy's not an option. And, uh, the ongoers, at the football field know the story. So what they see is an abusive dad because of the narrative that she's told. But what really happened is I'm just parenting. I'm just parenting. And she calls the cops on me at the, at the football field. Right. And all these onlookers think I'm abusive before she calls the cops on me though. I left and I went to the police station myself to file a report because she had been threatening that she was going to put a new restraining order on me. Okay. She had been saying, wait until the DV case. What DV case? There's no DV case coming. So I figured out that this was her plan. I go up to the police station. I file a report. I get back to drop my kids off and the police are there taking witness testimonies. And of course, they're all her friends who are going to corroborate this story. I remember one thing you shared on our talk together was that she was kind of the celebrity of the town, right? Yeah, this was the town she grew up in. She worked in the town. She's lived in the town her whole life. Her parents have been in the town for 60 years. So like, she can do no wrong. She's got the reputation, right? I'm assuming that she spread a smear campaign, like, as soon as, You know, I was accosted in the town. I was at a pizza parlor with my kids, and somebody, like, said, keep beating women, Mac, and they tried to fight me in a pizza parlor with them there. I never did it. So anyway, I file the police report. I get home. Three hours later, I have a new restraining order on me. This time, the first restraining order, I, I didn't see my kids for 42 days. This one was 59 days. And we went into court, talked to the judge. They ordered another drug test. I'm not on drugs. I'm not on anything. And then they said, you can have visits with your kids at the local YMCA for one hour a week. One hour a week. So I had gone five weeks. I had gone six weeks, actually. One of the weeks I missed because I got COVID. And so I missed a week. So around Christmas time, I had seen my kids for a total of five hours in 100 days, five hours in 100 days. And it was coming to Christmas time. And I'm saying, listen, I'm doing supervised visits. I'm paying my child support. I'm doing everything I should be doing. Why shouldn't I have my kids for Christmas? Why? And uh, it was wonderful. I was online on my Instagram and I saw that a law firm, a local law firm followed me on Instagram. And we got to talking and they were like, hey, I'd like to represent you. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, I got your first test. Get me my kids for Christmas. So we filed a motion two days before Christmas. And it was funny. I was live tweeting it and everything because all my followers know this whole story. And they're like, get Mac his kids back. Right. So I file a motion with the court two days before Christmas. 
within 30 minutes of receiving the motion, they go, holy shit, this is an emergency. You know, like the courts don't care. I'm not Johnny Depp. I'm not Amber Heard. I'm no celebrity that they're going to fly in and we have every, we have a court date every day. I got to go six weeks in between court dates. Wow. And yeah. More so, time away um, from your kids, right? Horrible. And I, so um, we file the motion. Within 30 minutes, the judge goes, I want everybody in court by this afternoon. I'm miles away at work. And so I fly out of work. You know, one of my coworkers knows my story. And I told my coworker, I was like, listen, I got to go talk to the boss. Aww. I got an emergency. I got to go. I run out and we get on the call. And so they hear the motion. And the, basically the judge is like, give us a reason why this guy shouldn't have his kids. And they make all these, oh, well, you know, he's on drugs or he's abusive. And, and I love the judge. I have a great judge. The judge goes, oh, God. the judge goes, let me ask you a question. Have you seen the reports from these supervised visits from the YMCA? And he goes, we're going to take a little quick adjournment or a break or whatever you call it. He goes, I'm going to send it to all of you. I want you to read the notes about this guy with his kids during supervised visits. They're weeping because they love him so much, you know? So they come back and they said, you can have your kids on Christmas Eve. I didn't get them on uh... Christmas Day. But the important thing was that I got him unsupervised because they were pushing for supervised visits. I don't need supervised visits. My kids love me. I love them. And I will fight to the death just so that they can have a good life. You know, there's no way they come out of this unscathed, but I will kill myself trying to make sure that they know that daddy loves them. You know? <sighs> so um, where I stand now, we had the next trial and it's, it's very much like TV. Like I'm no celebrity, but so my next had to get up on the stand and she testified to all this abuse and everything. And she has, I'll be honest, she has recordings of me screaming my head off. But if we know anything about reactive abuse, like I've learned, it's, they it's push hard your to buttons to. until you, yeah, they just push your buttons until you snap. And like, you know, I'm backed into a corner and proverbially I have to fight my way out, but I never hit her. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I feel when your conscience is clean, you don't have a lot to worry about, but yeah, am I screaming and, you know, F this and you're an asshole and right. calling taken out of, of the shit. context. Right. Sure. Well, I and I think a lot um, of people really are uneducated about coercive control because coercive mm -hmm. control, it's not just the one act of abuse, like what people are used to. Mm -hmm. It's a pattern of behavior mm -hmm. over time. And especially with these covert narcissists, they don't understand just how covert and subtle and sophisticated their abuse is. So taken out of context, when you show those individual texts or you show the individual evidence, it doesn't seem that bad to, to a normal person, right? But when, but they no, don't understand like when you the put abuser. the whole... Right. But when you put the whole story together, I had a client once that came to me who similar story with her um, ex and he would purposely lock himself in the closet and verbally attack her and like gaslight her and all this stuff. And then would lock himself in the closet. And he had something of hers that she really loved, would lock it. And then he'd record, hit record. And then what'd she do? Come banging. God. banging on the door screaming you motherfucker like get me mm -hmm. out like just and she sounded crazy because he pushed her to go absolutely insane and this you know? is why people think that they're the narcissist because we say exactly because we go this is out of my character and do i have so little self-control that 
I freaked and I did. I called her nasty shit that I would never say anything to anybody else. I was hor- I was horrible. I will admit this to everybody. You get pushed was, to a breaking point. Oh my well, God. The nasty, nasty and, shit I would say. And that's what they do. Yeah. They, they shed your sense of self. They shed your self-esteem. They put you down to absolutely nothing and get you yeah. to that breaking point because then, then they can hit record and then mm-hmm. they have the case against you. Totally. Well, and so then to the happened. judges or other people, it's a Bingo. convincing case for them. Bingo. And they're really freaking smart. They know how Ooh. to, what's that, evil genius. Like they know yeah. how to control it for their own self-serving benefit. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that she played in court was me losing my mind. But what she doesn't know is that I was re- able to create a timeline. And it's it's hard for me to explain to people unless I actually can physically show them, but that's Mm. why I bring like my lawyer on the podcast to vouch for me. Like, yo, this guy's got it. But to the best of my ability, the way to explain it is, so she alleges that I strangled her. And what I did is I took ring camera doorbells, right? And I lined up, I downloaded the evidence and I lined it up and I said, here's where I am at 8 a.m. When I wake up, I let the dog out. I'm texting this person at this time. Now here's her texting me. Here's wow. when I'm leaving the house. Here's when the- so I made a text message and I lined it up. I think it starts at like 6.40 a.m. And it goes to 10.40 p.m. And at the time that she alleges that I was strangling her, I'm simultaneously texting her, texting her friend, and I'm on the phone with my best friend. So... I'm doing three things. And as her story goes, I burst into the room while she was rocking my daughter to sleep. And I grabbed her by the throat and I said, you better choose me. And I threw her into this closet and she scraped her back on these, you know, exposed shelves and stuff. And this is what she testified about about a month ago too. Um, But what she doesn't know is that I have her. I have her dead to rights and it's, that's just one instance, you know, but I yeah. also have, she lies about other instances that she swore to under oath <sighs> that I can prove. So I'm a very technologically savvy guy. And um, it's funny, you know, like I haven't told anybody this, but sometimes I dream about this. And last night I had this dream about my lawyer cross-examining her. And yeah. if there's any way like this fantasy in my mind, <laughs> she's going to fry, man. Like she's wow. like, yeah. So um, everybody's, you know, who, who listens to the podcast is invested in the story. And um, you know, so my, my next is already engaged again. Funny thing is, is I love the guy. Don't even know. I met him one time, but I love the guy. The reason is, is because a, my kids love him and B, I know my ex, if she's going to be with a guy, it's a stand-up guy. He's probably a lot like me. You know, she's not going to choose some guy that has no benefit to her. So it's just, it's a super convoluted story. I spend a lot of time, just like I did on this episode with you, is like I spend a lot of time really trying to paint the picture so you can understand the world through my eyes. And, you know, I, I interview people from all over. So I spend a lot of time, like, you know, just the followers on my Instagram that reach out to me and say, Hey, I love your podcast and I love your page. And I would really like for you to, you know, I'd really like to do an episode with you. And I hear these stories and like, Oh my God, it, it really truly follows a playbook. Yeah. You know, and even you with, with even with you with the cult, it's like, <laughs> I was in a one man cult, man. And I know it. And thank you so much for sharing your story because 
like you said, it helps other people know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually just sent a client that I have to your podcast because in her case, you know, her God, it, it's, it's devastating. Her next kidnapped the kids to another country. And mm-hmm. she's just thinking like, am I alone? It's the first time she's kind of like hearing about all this stuff. And yeah. she thinks that she's alone in it. And I'm like, you're not alone. Like go listen to all these other stories. And once you start hearing, it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like you said, documenting really can help with that gaslighting and stuff because, and I was doing that too. Like even in the cult, I was recording conversations like with the leader because one of my friends committed suicide within the cult. And after that, I was suicidal. And so I was recording all of the private conversations because I honestly was going crazy. I didn't know I was being gaslit. I didn't know that all these stories were being convoluted. Like I was recording it to listen back, to try to understand what was going on. Because yeah. I was that confused. like Right. Well, you're that confused. And, and like to me, like I started recording and I was going like, wait a second. Like she would tell me a story one day and then we, I would, I would deliberately so I could record it. I would ask her again, be like, hey, what happened with XYZ? And I would know the answer of what she told me before, but I just want to see how she would tell the story again. It's nothing like the same thing. It's nothing like the same thing. So a lot of advice, like, listen, I'm no lawyer, but I do bring my lawyer on the podcast and I will be interviewing lots of lawyers, but. <laughs> The best advice maybe I can give to your listeners is learn Mm -hmm. the recording and documenting laws in your state about what's admissible into court. And the reason I say that is because, so there's two things in in the US, and I don't know where your listeners are in the world, but in the US, it's called a one-party state or a two-party state. In a one-party state, you, the person that you're recording doesn't need to know that they're being recorded. So I live in New Jersey. New Jersey is a one-party state. So I know, and she knew too, that you can record the person without knowing. If you are in a two-party state, please learn your state laws about how to get recordings or documentation admitted into evidence if you live in a two-party state, because every state is different. And that's You know, like I've had a lot of listeners come out to me and be like, listen, man, you saved my life with that advice because you don't know what's admissible in court. We're not lawyers, but like documentation literally saved my life because going back to how we started this this episode, it's like, if had I not known, you know, I'm already guilty before proven innocent, but at least personally speaking, I know that eventually it's going to come out. Right. And I'm I'm sure there's people listening to this going, well, you know, my judge wouldn't even hear my evidence and my ex just got the kids. Listen, I have to keep the faith that, you know, when they truly get this mountain of what I have, I mean, my, my lawyer is so funny. She's, she says all the time, she goes, Max, she's fucked. There's no way out of this because, you know, like she has police reports well, she testified that I strangled her at seven o'clock or seven thirty at night, but then on the police report, she says it happened at three p.m. Like, there's just nothing consistent about anything, um, and you got to be savvy, man. You got to be on your toes. And these narcissists, they'll tell you what they're doing. Like I said, my nest is saying, "Oh, well, wait until the DV trial." There was no DV trial standing, so like they'll tell you what they're going to do to you. They'll tell wow. you. So you got to be savvy. Yeah. You got to be on your toes. You got to be quick thinking. I haven't mastered the art of not engaging yet. Like it's, they fucking push my buttons and I, I'm trying, but I'm still, we haven't talked since September. I mean, you and I are recording this. It's March 1st. We haven't talked since September. Um, and I'm training myself that when we do have our communication again, I got to keep it necessary. And, emotionless and and you, you know, and it helps to think of it. It really truly is like an addiction. 
It's an yeah. addiction. And they know inside and out, especially when you've been married or with them for a long time, they know inside and out your psyche and exactly how to do it. Totally. It's like that, that gray rocking. And that's why I say like no contact or extreme modified contact. And it's yes. not co-parenting. There's nothing that is co about Parallel that. Parenting. You know? Exactly. You're on separate train tracks and you got to mm-hmm. stay in your own lane. And it's hard because they will, they will try to reel you in. Hey, try is, to reel you in. So this is the podcast host and me, but I want to, I have a question for you. You just, um, yeah. you just said it's like detoxing from a drug. What were your early days like when you like left the cult and like, what was that like internally? What was going on inside your body when that shit was happening? Well, see, my story is a little bit different than yours because with your story, at least from what I understand, like you woke up when you were still in it. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of knew that you were in it and then you got out and then you started the detox right away, right? Mm -hmm. For me, I woke up, well, and I was in several different cults, but I got out of it and then I knew it was fucked up, but I didn't know it was how fucked up it was or that my, I thought my anxiety and my depression and all the suicidal thoughts and all the shit that I was going through, I thought it was just like my issue. And this was just another, like, just kind of you know, fucked up thing that I was part of. So it took me a long time because I kept thinking it was not that bad because with a psychopathic spiritual teacher, they, they use such subtle and sophisticated techniques. So there wasn't the yelling, there wasn't the screaming, like there wasn't the restraining orders or the false accusations. Mm -hmm. It was so, um, I can't even describe it. Like it just, they kind of, to my my mind, you you were kind of breadcrumbed in the way of like, you know, you have to do X, Y, Z to get to your ultimate destination. They'll be like breadcrumbing you along and saying, if you don't do this, you'll never reach this supremacy that you're seeking. And if you leave, like you won't be enlightened. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of screwed. Cause this was like, the like ultimate the golden, for then? this was the ultimate golden ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But when I finally woke up, oh my God, that withdrawal of going through yeah. that detox was the most mm-hmm. destructive horrendous thing. I had to move back in with my parents. I was unfunctioning. Mm-hmm. I couldn't work. I couldn't even leave the house. Yeah. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, I had bed sores. I mean, I, my whole body was yeah. trembling and shaking and it's yeah. no and fucking joke. It's no like, joke. And, and like, I think that's important to talk about because, you know, like people who come across your platform or my platform and like, I think that's important to talk about because you can really get lost in those moments. And like, I mean, I can just imagine, you know, I clearly haven't talked to him, but I, I, I can imagine people kill themselves. Like, let's be honest, people probably mm-hmm. kill themselves because they're in such despair oh, yeah. and they don't see a future and stuff. And like, you know, for anybody listening, like, yeah, man, like I was like, you called it withdrawal. It, it, it's literally in my brain, like, you know, this, this dopamine fall that you're just detoxing. And I was hugging a toilet and I was throwing up and I had lost 30 pounds and I was crying and reflecting on like, you know, that rumination type stuff where like you, you reflect on the good times and you were like, Oh, remember the time when, you know, we went to Maine or remember the time when we went to the beach and you're sitting there going, yeah. was it all bad? Could I have done something different? Should I have just put up yeah. with it? Maybe it, was me. Right? Maybe it was me. And I want, you know, anybody listening to this, like, just know, like, you know, you, you went through it. I went through it. Whoever's listening to this went through it, man. You're not alone. And I, I promise you like the the more you keep trudging forward it's it, it just eventually the light at the end of the tunnel just keeps getting yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger and like i'm not even out yet i'm not even out yet but like quitting is not an option right like yeah. and it all comes back to me i mean whether you have kids or not find something worth living for find something worth pressing on for like you know i i did this thing you know i don't know if you do but like i do um 
kind of like manifesting in a way. Like I try and think about what does Mac look like two, five, ten years down the road? Is he happy? Are his kids grown up? Are they well taken care of? Am I in a new relationship? Am I happy in that new relationship? Try and think of yourself 10 years down the road when this shit that you're going through right now, you made it through, man. It's going to be a pivotal time in your life. But I promise you, like, whether it's a cult or whether it's a relationship or whether it's a job or it's a parental thing, whatever it is, man, if you just don't give up, you will make it through. And I I just want to to know that, like, this Thank is you. not the end. Yeah. This can be a new beginning. You got it. It's a big Yeah. <laughs> and to take the time to allow your nervous system to heal because mm. it's been through fucking hell and back. Yeah. You know, and I say it, it can seem worse before it gets better, but I am so freaking thankful that I stopped and allowed myself to detox and allowed myself to go. It's like going to re, I would assume, like kind of going to rehab or something right. like to, to allow my nervous system to completely fall apart. And it felt like I was never, ever, ever going to make it through, you yeah. know, find a support system. Like, yeah. Listen, I'm really grateful. Like, like we were saying, you think you're the only person in the world and you know, you find this platform of people who, you know, support you and everything like that. And I hope people out there, I hope you have friends. I hope you have family. I hope you have coworkers, whatever it is that you can lean on. And, you know, if I could be some sort of help, to you, you can speak with me, or I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, yeah, just please, like I reach I just, out, yeah. reach out, right? Yeah, to somebody who gets it. Like, don't reach out to the people who are gonna like continue no. to like deny what you're saying. Like, I had people find had those people. people. Yeah, you find out who your real friends are. You know what I mean? You find out who your real friends are in the world, and there were people who were like, dude everybody goes through a divorce. Okay. Yeah. Stop crying. Be a man. Stop being such a, you know what, and move on with your uh, life. I'm like, no, this is not, this is a not a breakup. normal divorce. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, Oh, I went through a divorce. I'm like, Oh yeah. Did you have a restraining order where you removed for your kids for 42 days and then 59 days? So I was like, did that happen to you? They're like, no, I'm like, then shut the fuck up. Like, and like, yeah. see, that's the thing with me is like, like I said, I, I'm very rarely angry, but it's just like, don't, don't diminish what I've been through. Don't because yeah. I know I fought well, my ass off. And what I like to say too is the that core of anger. We actually talked about this on, on the first episode. The core of anger is empowerment. It's like mm. you're, that boundary has been crossed. That sure. anger is actually beautiful because it's telling you, uh uh-uh, uh, this is not okay. You're and right. I think that's what I realized through my recovery journey. I couldn't even talk to a lot of people because I realized it's like at the core, all I needed was somebody to just care about my feelings and my needs. like, And just to hear about my feelings and needs and not tell me to look on the bright side, not no. tell me to like do anything else. No, 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 it's like, no, no. Right. I just it's, needed listen, to be- You just went through a fucking cult. You yes. just went through a cult. <laughs> if you're going to come out of this and you're going to be like, meh, so what? I'm not angry. I'm just going to- I'd be like, yo, there's something wrong with you, dude. Like, why aren't you angry? Anger is healthy. Anger is human. Don't let anybody tell you because you're angry, there's something wrong with you. That's a human emotion. Anger, love, pain, all this kind of stuff. It's an emotion. Don't let anybody feel that way. But there's also a certain thing where you have to tame that beast. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Learning how to channel that anger in a healthy way, you know, to find that safe space to let it out with a safe friend or a safe therapist or coach or whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. And we feel, especially in that discard and that devalue, like you are feeling worthless. You know, you're feeling like, what do I have? You know, like, what do I have to live for? And to me, it was like, I'm going to prove like, this doesn't make you the narcissist, but you know, like I'm going to prove to myself that I'm worth more. Like 
this is not going to be my defining moment of my life. I have, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy in my, my, my mid thirties, right? So like, I'm going to make sure that the rest of my life is the best of my life, as cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. And thank God we woke up from it now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, and like, there's people, you know, who go 25, 30 years. Their whole whole life. Yeah. And then they're like, looking at it going, you know, like, what did I do with my whole life? But like, still, you know, I've spoken to some of those people and I say like, you're not done. If you're not dead, it's not over. It's yeah, not over. Exactly. And I love, I just actually listened right before we got on this. I went for a walk and I listened to the episode with your sister and it like oh. really touched my heart. Well, breaks my heart on, on the first sense of how these abusive relationships can drive a wedge in our mm-hmm. families and yeah. destroy these relationships. I, I think you guys didn't talk for like 10 years or something, yeah. but I love that you guys were able to reconnect yeah. and, and start to heal that. You know, yeah, shout out to Macy. Macy, you. if you hear this, I'm going to tell you that I'm on this podcast Macy. later. Macy, you can check it out. Yeah, my my narcissist. I lost my friends. I lost my family, and I didn't speak because of the actions of my next. I lost my family for ten years, and my sister Macy and I reconnected. We both had to swallow a lot of pride and get back in touch with each other. But Aww. yeah, it's it, like you were just saying. It's kind of like, hey, listen, I wasted this time, but if I still have air in my lungs and I can still move my body, am I going to waste the rest of the time? However long I have, am I going to waste the rest of this right. time? I can't. And what is the life I want to create and how do yeah. I want my relationships That's moving peaceful, forward? Right? Like, don't you just want the rest of your life to just like, listen, problems are going to come. Drama is going to be there, but like, you know, you don't have to subscribe to it. Right? Like I make the joke, listen, if this is a TV show, right? Like I don't have to watch every episode of the drama. Yeah. I could tune into some of the episodes if I really want to, but just let me know how it ends. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't tune into the drama. I don't really care about, you know, I care about people's problems, but I don't necessarily like, I don't need a lot of drama in my life. I need peace. My, like you were saying, regulating my nervous system, cooling mm-hmm. down. Having that be the number one priority. Yes. And yes. let me say, like when that becomes your number one priority, a lot of those relationships will fall away. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think that's, it's a beautiful thing if we can allow it. Cause it's like, where do you want to put your priority? For me, I had to be like, okay, I, I lost everybody and I started from freaking zero. I had zero support and zero anything, you know? And then I was like slowly, slowly building that back in. But you know, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I was like, that's what the cult did too, was drive that wedge between me and my family. Like they mm. told me I had an attachment issue and all this stuff. So that's been one of the most beautiful things is to heal that relationship with my family and yeah, yeah really put and that you always, first. You always build back stronger. Like I have, I have exactly like more I, appreciation, right? Like I'm like, I've never oh met God. anybody that I've interviewed or that I've spoken with. And like, right. I've never met anybody who goes like, Oh, like I'm a worse version of myself than I was with my narcissist. And the <laughs> other thing is, is that you never hear anybody saying, I regret leaving my narcissist. No one. I know. I know. That's the one gift they give us is like, we are strong as hell, resilient as hell. I like, I, you know, tattoo of resilience. Yes. This is resiliency on my, I resiliency. resiliency. The funny thing is I've had that since I was 22. And uh, no, you knew before you've got it. (laughs) Yeah, I needed that. I needed that mantra. And it's always that word is, you know, the ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. And that's what I do, man. I keep rolling. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And how can uh, people find you? 
and connect with you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram. I am on dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Um, I am on TikTok at the same name, dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Although, you know, I can't show my face yet. I'm, I'm very protective of my anonymity, but once my custody battle is over, maybe I'll show my face and stuff like that. And then I'm also on Twitter at dimming gaslight and uh, the podcast. If you want to check it out, um, I'm about almost 60 episodes deep now. And uh, it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, it's called Dimming the Gaslight. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mac, for coming on. Really thank you it. so much. Yo, you rock. <laughs> I am so glad. <laughs> we got to do more episodes. Like there's so well, much like, we could talk about. <laughs> you're a one. And best of luck with your podcast. And I'll definitely Aww, thank in. you. Thank you for coming Thanks on mine too. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this podcast has sparked some new insights, inspiration, or deeper questions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. Your support helps us reach more people and continue to create meaningful content. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on our show, please reach out at CallieSorensen.com or on Instagram or YouTube at CallieSorensen. Remember, the journey of self-discovery and growth is ongoing. Until next time, may you continue to explore, learn, and grow. Please be advised that the opinions and views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the guests, hosts, and are not intended as professional advice. The content provided on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a substitute for professional counseling or medical treatment. The opinions shared on this podcast contain personal experiences and opinions that do not apply to everyone or every situation, and anything shared is not intended to malign any religion, belief, group, person, club, organization, individual, anyone, or anything.